Ba 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 Padre nuestro que estás en el cielo, santificado sea tu nombre. Venga a nosotros tu reino, hágase su voluntad aquí en la tierra como en el cielo. Danos hoy nuestro pan de cada día. Perdona nuestras ofensas como también nosotros perdonamos a los que nos ofenden. No nos dejes caer en tentación y líbranos de todo mal. Amén. Amén. Babelito and Fabi Fabonster on the road. Hi. <laughs> Welcome, guys. Thank you for joining me today. I know you guys travel a long time from LA to Las Vegas. I'm tired as well, so. No, thank you for coming all the way to Las Vegas and being here in our beautiful city. Yeah. This nice vintage house that we're hanging out in today. Yeah. So we just came from Podcast Stereo Fest. Um, was it everything you thought it was going to be? It was everything and more. Podcast Stereo Fest. It's kind of like kind of like our dreams come true because we always strive to create brown spaces for brown people and that's exactly what it was and we got 17 podcasts together thanks to Morcajete Dominguero and Luis and Pamela from Café con Pam and Luz um, from Leather Be Loose podcast and I was just overwhelmed with love like when it when the first panel started like i had to excuse myself because i felt like i was gonna lose it it was beautiful yeah it was incredible the first night we got there we went to that dinner at la carmencita and i saw like seven other podcasts together my heart was about to explode i was i thought i was gonna have a heart attack because it was just amazing to see everybody in person you know and then at podcasterio like It was just, it was, it was so cool just to see in the matter of maybe one or two years, all these podcasts that I've been listening to just like come together and, you know, be unified. And it's, it's part of a movement and we're part of that history. I never thought it would happen this fast. And we keep saying we've got to be loud. Beesh. We were loud <laughs> and we were heard and it's going to get louder and louder. And that makes me so happy. And this Podcasterio Fest was arranged really quick, like four or five weeks. Imagine next year, we're gonna actually going to have time to plan it. And funding. Ooh, and funded. Forget it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we did this with a little bit of our money. Like we just yeah. put it together ourselves. You guys are going to be looked back and you can say you're the OGs of Focasterio Fest. Oh, that's right. I already feel yeah. like an OG. You mentioned the dinner when you first arrived into into LA. Did you have like a fangirl moment when you saw all the podcasts coming in? Because you, you guys listened to quite a few of the ones that were there that time, right? My biggest like podcast crush is Radio Menea. And as soon as I see them, I'm just like, oh my God. <laughs> so, but it's so cool to see them. But then also I've been listening to Viva La Round Girls a lot. Yes, that's one of them for oh, me too. So when I saw them in person, I couldn't believe it. And then, um, oh my gosh, who else was there? Uh, Somos Padres was there. And Cerebronas. Cerebronas. I never met uh, Luz Warrior. So that was incredible. And you, I've seen these people online for years, mm -hmm. you know? So yeah, it was definitely... A weird moment for me was cabronas y chingonas i've been obsessing <gasps> over their podcast oh, yeah. dude i didn't know i was gonna like 
think I was going to like them that much because, you know, what they in their pictures, they kind of look like they're kind of standoffish. Like one of them looks kind of hard, one's kind of shy. And so it's kind of hard to figure shy, out. Yeah. It's kind of hard to figure out how they're going to be in person. How mm. was it meeting them? I just, I just love them. I love them from before and they were so sweet and just everything that I expected from them. And I, I fell in love with Maite. Like, I think we're going to get married. <laughs> and Eva and everybody from the Colores Radio. Okay. We, excuse me. I'm going to announce we, this right now. Oh, Eva ahead. and I are in love. <laughs> uh, she is fucking awesome. We we had a Lady in the Trap moment with a taco. Oh. Um, we had a... Con- well, other po- well, other panels were happening. <laughs> Rude. Okay. Sucia. Please don't judge me. We're just trying to enjoy our life. And then we had a concha moment. And then, you know, after we, we saw the Selena sign and danced, it was just... We, we danced. Knew. We couldn't be around the Selena star. I saw that. You guys mm-hmm. posted a story about it. I didn't know that I was going to have such a connection to all the Texas podcasts that were there. Yeah. For me, it was like, those are just the ones that I just gravitated to. And we just like, it was like instant chemistry for me. And so I don't know if that's because we're all from Texas and there's like a similar upbringing, but it was really awesome like getting to see these people in LA, which is weird because we live in the same state. Yeah. You had mentioned um, Radio Manea, that that was like the one you were yeah. looking to meet. What is it about them that you are just so obsessed about? I am, I am so attracted to their confidence and they're, they're just so cool because they don't give a shit about what anybody thinks about them and they are just doing what they love. They love music. They all they have their separate lives, you know, and they come together for the love of music and, you know, supporting other Latinx podcasts, supporting Latinx artists, musicians. So I just They're so easy to get along and with. And they're as well. just so nice. Yeah, they're so cool. They're, there's no front, you know? And they're so you can just tell they're so caring because of that. Yeah. You know, if they don't like you, you know. Yeah. If they do like you, you know. Did it, you listen to their panel? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, how was it? Who the one that you were on? Oh, is that the one? Oh, <laughs> yeah, I heard it. <laughs> we heard it. Yeah, we heard it. We heard you too, especially. <laughs> how was it though? The panel seeing them talk about having uh, getting hate on uh, from the social media. And different questions that we're getting from them. How was that listening I'm, to that? It was kind of eye-opening, you know, because I never thought about girls getting hate just because they're women, you know. But it makes total sense. It's part of our privilege not to know that. It's part of our privilege. Yeah. So that was really eye-opening. And that's what I loved about the panels at Podcasterio is that it was men-to-women ratio. It was the opposite of what you usually see. Yes. So most of the panels was... All women except for like one dude, right? I put that toge- was my panel. I put, yeah. I put together the panels and I was like, I was going to call you dude. out on that. I was like, how the hell are you going to put one gay guy on a queer panel? Why not? Like, you were the token. I, I, I was. I was mm-hmm. like, really, really, dude? But we that's that's what Latinx podcasts are all about. Reversing the, yeah. the narrative. And we did it. We did it. I mean, the fact that we just continue to talk about being brown, Spanglish, and Latino and women... That was the recurring theme of the whole thing. Just with that, we flipped the script. Because every time you talk about gay issues, you know, it's automatically gay white male white issues. Yeah. But LGBTQAI, WXYZ, that shit is 50 50, you mm-hmm. know, like, or whatever. 50. There's not a binary, right? But, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, yeah. So I really like that part of, of, of the panels. Me too. 
it made it made it, I, I don't know it made me feel empowered and it was it connected to our event that we had um our series of events that we had in wellesley college which is an all-girls college and we had a room full of like 70 women just like listening to us and we felt more comfortable than ever the whole thing just ran so smoothly because we were safe like and they, this was a space meant for them and we were welcome in the most beautiful way so you guys have been traveling speaking a lot and then even with the Pocasterio event you guys were one of the founders right you helped uh, organize this event what did mm-hmm. you guys learn through the speaking and creating an event there's something that you didn't know that you had to like something why am I having a tough time with this question you guys tired. are making me a little no you guys are making me a little nervous oh yeah honestly because this is the first time i'm meeting you guys both together and actually speaking to you like one-on-one oh. like just having a conversation because uh-huh. we're just like having fun throughout the the whole weekend and so i listened to your podcast and you guys are so like intelligent and well-spoken uh, and funny so i'm like damn yeah. it what if i have a boring ass fucking podcast <laughs> No, and so, no, no, no. Well, okay. How, is there? Did you learn anything from organizing the event or from these um speak speak event, speaking events that you guys have had? Yeah, I I had no idea how much our podcast was needed. Our and not just I just don't mean Latinos who lunch, but all of us because we don't think about it. This is just our lives, and all of a sudden we get booked for things that I never imagined we we're gonna get booked. And people will thank us about for our podcast and our voices. And that to me is mind-blowing because this is just, I'm having a conversation with my best friend, right? So it's 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 making me realize that the work that we're doing with Podcasterio and that we're going to continue to do because now it's a network, it's so necessary because this shouldn't be like, once if you go to college for years and you got one speaker that make you feel like that you should feel like that every fucking day and and hopefully we're we're pushing that so at least with the medium of podcast can you before fabi answers this question can you elaborate a little bit more on the podcast network because you guys announced it on the last day Mm -hmm. on the last panel that you guys were turning Pocasterio Fest into a network. What does that mean? We're trying to gather a, a number of podcasts together into our own network so we can start matching them with advertisers, um, maybe matching them with public speaking events and making a whole connection with the audiences that that for us is hard when we're completely independent because many times they don't want to pay us. Many times... Um, they pay us a little bit and we have to pay from our pockets. Like we always are spending money. So I think this is an opportunity to hopefully push the podcasters to become professional podcasters. Besides kind of pairing them up with advertisers, will you guys be helping like training on how to podcast, giving them tips on how to um, handle social media and things uh, like in that nature? Yeah, that's the biggest thing that we talked about is, you know, as Latino you know, cultural bearers, producers, what do they call them? Influencers. A lot of times we get undersold or not offered as much money because, you know, we haven't been in the game or whatever and we don't have the resources. And so, for example, me with my art, you know, they always offer you the lowest amount. And I never thought to like, hey, maybe I should ask for more. That's not enough money. I always just say yes. And that's our mentality, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, $200? Yeah, I'll do it. You know, like for, to spend a whole week doing something, that's fine. It's worth it, you know? <laughs> but it's not. And that's what we want to do. We want to open up communication and be like, yo, you get this many listeners and they're only giving you that much money for that ad? That's fucked up. This is the industry standard. You should be getting paid this because all the time... They're not giving us what we deserve, right? On the, you know, 
compared to white podcasts. It, 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 you know, this equal pay thing goes across every single medium. So doing, doing that, just communicating that, having an open conversation about that with everybody on the network and being very transparent, I think is important. Having an open dialogue and then also creating opportunities like workshops and lectures and, you know, maybe conferences, I think is, is definitely on our agenda. Will you guys be encouraging kind of podcasts to reach out to you or will you handpick the podcast you want in part of the network? No, I think uh, if, I mean, we're still working the details, but we're encouraging everybody to we, apply. We want Podcasterio Network to be inclusive. Yeah. So let's say next year there's Podcasterio Fest. We're not going to be like, actually, you're not part of the network. You can't be part of the festival. No, 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 no. no. We want the, we want Podcasterio Network to be inclusive of everything and other networks like Stir Online, right? So that was one of my questions yeah. because the one thing I was worried about is my branding. Is that going to be affected if I were to join another network? Mm -hmm. Because I have a specific branding that I like, and it and if Podcasterio has a, a totally different aesthetic than I do, and so if I were to be part of the Podcasterio Network, how would that affect my branding or other people who are wanting to join the network? I mean, it can work. We still need to work these details out, so I might be just talking out of my ass, but <laughs> I see it being almost like as an agency. So we can be your manager and your agent or just your agent. You know nice. what I mean? Yeah. So we don't have to play both roles. And I think the I think that it's going to vary depending because, of course, it's all about hashtag support Latinx podcasts, hashtag support brown podcasts. So we're here to support everyone. We're not here to push anybody out. That hashtag support brown podcast started with you guys, right? It started yeah. with Fabi, yes. Yeah. How is that? Like, how's that grown? What do you have? What have you seen happen with that hashtag? It's taken off. It's taken off, and we notice other podcasts that haven't even opened dialogue with us started using it, and like big podcasts too. So it's it's a thing now. It's <laughs> definitely a thing. Yeah. So Fabi, have you learned anything throughout the speaking and this event, like kind of preparing for it? Well, what's been really cool is, you know, Babelito and I are really good friends and we do the podcast. We got that down, you know, but doing the podcast together at Wellesley, doing Podcasterio Fest, it's for me, it's interesting learning like what our strengths and our weaknesses are, right? Like I have a really bad memory. I ramble a lot and I know that I need to work on that. Babelito, maybe he... he at Wellesley, it was incredible watching Babelito work his magic because that's his lane, right? Like a university, like he knows how to lecture. He knows how to captivate an audience in that realm. And I'm just like, hi, I'm... Aver, captivate me right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, Después hi. De que hi. <laughs> you know, I'm, a, I'm more of a clown, you know? Mm -hmm. I just, I like to enter... I, I, you know, I always try to be funny just because that's like... That's my instinct when I'm feeling nervous or, you know, insecure about something. Mm -hmm. That's like how I... That's how I handle stuff. So it's just been cool to see how we work together and how we're going to adjust, you know, for the future based on these just the, these last couple of months of doing events like this. I, I feel like your podcast has blown up fairly, um, fairly big, for, um, very quickly. Um, and so with that happening, uh, that means a lot of people are listening to your podcast and probably some of them are seeing your person. Is it weird having these people knowing your life and talking to you about your like cousin or different stories you tell and the, and you don't even know them? No, I, I mean, it wears me out when when people say I'm fangirling or like it I weirds me out when people look at you, look at me and like I could tell they know. 
they listen to the podcast, but they don't come up to you because they're nervous that we're going to, I don't know, that we're not going to be mean, well, they I mean that we're going to be mean or something. They approach know. you like they know you and I like gravitate towards yeah. them. I just like hug them. <laughs> Most of the people. And I'm like, do I know these people? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Most of the people just look at you and they light up and they, and so you say, and so at Podcasterio Fest, for example, they would look at me and light up and, and, and I'd say, hi, I'm Favi. And then they'd say, oh, I know. <laughs> and, and we love your podcast. And they'd give me, and I'd give them a hug, you know, but so then I'd be like, so what's your name? And they're just like, you know, they don't know what to say. <laughs> um, but I love it. I, I mean, it's a very intimate medium, right? So they know everything about us. So when I meet them, it's just instinct to to be friendly and to give them a hug or give them a, you know, a handshake and, and them tell you about their life and their mom and this. You know, it's it's just been a really cool experience. Have you gotten any play from it? You know how like drag queens, whenever they blow up, they get like those people that want to like hook up with them just because like they're on drag race or something. Have you gotten something like that? Cause you're on Latinos at lunch. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's definitely helping. That's like, wait, the, but you're married though, right? That's my, no. that's my only game. I'm divorced. Shut the fuck up. When did yeah. that happen? A couple months ago. We don't have to get into it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have to. Um, it's fresh, but I mean the, the yeah. podcast is helping. With a transition. My condolences because, um, you know, I, I, you got through married, so sorry to hear that. I hate when people say sorry, but I don't know what else to say to someone who gets divorced yeah. other than sorry. Well, it's like, you know? a re it's painful, you know, yeah. like leaving a relationship is, you got to kind of mourn that yeah. phase of your life. I so. guess that Latino trade helps then, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I remember you saying, Fabi, that you were going to die in, in Las Vegas. This was your home. Your family was here. But after speaking and going to Ireland and, and like, uh, what was it, Boston and, and uh, now L.A. and different places, does that still is that still true for you? Do you still think you're going to be here and on Las Vegas forever? Yeah, I love Vegas. Yes, this is always going to be my home base. What is it about that you love about it? Because I come here, I, this is my third time here, and I'm like, nah, I don't really like Vegas. I'm I mean, because you haven't seen Latinos who launches Vegas. Oh, shit. That's okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's my home. I mean, all my family's here, mm -hmm. and it's just for me, I just have so many resources here. It's so easy. Like, look, I mean, look, we're hanging out in this beautiful house. Like, my rent is like nothing. Nothing. And my, you know, like, it's, it's, uh, if I if I had the same rent in Los Angeles, I would consider moving there. You know what I mean? Okay. But it that's not going to happen. Not gonna You're happen. not going to be able to rent a house for less than $500 a month. You know what I mean? Is that what you're paying here? Like $500 a month for a house? Less. Shut the fuck up. Yes. Oh my god, I'm going to move here then. Between three roommates. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, I'm okay. not it's not just my share. Yeah. Okay. Cuz my friend was is living in, in um, San Francisco and that's where I kind of want to go and he was telling me with three roommates he's paying like $700. So I was like, "Oh, that's not bad." Yeah, that's yeah, not. That's not bad. Yeah, especially there. Oh yeah, but it, yeah, it's cheap over here. It's way cheaper. Plus, I don't want to be. I mean, so I, you're gonna stay here forever too? I don't know because no, his ass is already. <laughs> LA is becoming yes. my second home. She's gone already. Yeah, but I've I've already, I remember feeling like this as a kid. It has nothing to do with not liking Las Vegas. But you've never been. You're not from here. I mean, you you've lived here a long time, but I yeah. feel like you. You know, I was born here. That's actually here. one of my questions that I was going to yeah. ask is, I know, Babelito, that you have lived in quite a few places. And so one of my questions was, is which part of the world do you think impacted um, you the most for, like, who you are now? The person I see in front of me, who impacted that the most? I think it's Juarez. 
I think it's Juarez and Albuquerque. Albuquerque because it woke the fuck out of me because I went to grad school. It was four years of painful awakening. It was it was horrible, but it shaped me. It shaped who I am right now. And my identity is rooted in the border. My identity is rooted in Juarez. I can. I still think that I'm going to move back at some point in my life. There's no place that I feel more comfortable than I feel in Juarez. And I say Juarez is an area, the border is an area, and not necessarily Mexico. Because I go to central Mexico, and I love all my friends, and I love everything I do over there, but it's not home. I don't feel comfortable, and I just, I, I it's not my home. So it's about that, and my family's there, and just like... La comida, todo, 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 todo. How old were you whenever you would go over there and have the weekends and get wasted and you would take off of school? How old were you when you would do that? In Juarez? Yeah. Well, I grew up there, but then we moved to El Paso. So, girl. What kind of, because you were talking about you would literally <laughs> come back all like messed up. And I was like, what kind of trouble was he getting himself into? I be, I started to party when I was like <laughs> 11, 12. Oh Jesus. my God. I used to go to the bars and they used to kick me out and I used to fight with the bouncers. And I was fucking 13 years old no wonder so this. by the time we moved to vegas i'm like this shit is lame <laughs> so i started i started concentrating in school so my my like yeah teenager i was i was a little mess did you have a nickname back then um no in junior high i was a lemma but that's it a lemma why a lemma? And, i mean people come i mean babelito used it for a lot of things but a lemma like earlier because that's that was my tagging because i went to a school full of cholos <laughs> You did what? This bitch was a tagger. <laughs> no way. Yeah, I went up to a, a, a secundaria full of cholos, and they're like, "Tú eres el Emma Way." I'm like, "Okay." What does that mean? El Emma, because it's because my name is Emmanuel. So, oh. and some of my cousins call me Emma. So, <laughs> I'm Emma, Babelito, Emmanuel. So many. Lo que usted guste. Yeah. What would so you would just tag your name, or would you draw something? No, I would just I would just tag oh, my name. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I did it for a year. It wasn't. It was, it barely took off. <laughs> so I know you're an academic. Are you also like an artist? Do you do other things besides just studying and, and take forever to like graduate? <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I, I, I suck at art. I started studying photography. I did it for two years. And it was when everything was shifting towards digital. And I used to be obsessed with the process of developing film. So that turned me off, and then I took an art history class, and it changed my life. I, within the first five minutes, I knew that's what I wanted to do. So um, no, I I don't know how to not even a como dice mono de palitos like a stick uh. figure like not, <laughs> nada no me sale nada. Mm -mm. What would I ask? I totally forgot what I asked. This was like me on the panel. I didn't even know like what was going on. <laughs> I was so nervous. Were you guys nervous on the panels? I always get a little nervous, yeah. yeah. So what do, do you guys do anything to prepare for interviews, like to help with those nerves? Well, in the podcast, that's what we do is that we have a pre-production meal. So like the guests will come, we'll order food, or we'll go out, actually go out to eat at a restaurant a lot of times, and we'll ask a lot of questions at the meal. And so that'll prepare us for the questions that we're going to ask in the interview. The first time that I really saw that working was with Radio Menea. Yeah. Because we went and we had a big meal. We and by like the a, end of the meal, we were the besties. It was like <laughs> two hours of yeah. just like rubbing and getting to know each other. And then so we just kind of. So it's not awkward. Like what? Because I never have first dates at a restaurant only because if it's weird, then you have to wait like an hour and a half to two hours in at a table across from each other. It, do you ever have those moments where it's like it's really forced? No. I don't well, think we've had a guest where it's just like. Have we? No, no, no. I think it's because I mean, we're usually interviewing people that we want to interview. Yeah, now. like we've already researched, you know. So it's not. 
and it's mostly podcasters, so we know their personalities already. So I don't think it hasn't been very not yet. Not no. yet. Mm-mm. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's gonna it's happen. It's gonna happen. Yeah. But we also part of the formula that I think is working for us is that we interview friends too. We interview family. We've had. Justin's and and Fabi. Um, <laughs> we were just talking about this in the car. Fabi's cousins and like I want to have my my older sister too in the podcast. And it's just people that we really want to have. It's not like we have an agency sending us like some big shot because that's just. I mean, maybe in the future, but it's we always. If that happens, I feel like we're always gonna come back to just interviewing. You know, what our would, people. What would you guys be doing if y'all never met? Um, I'd probably be dead. Yeah. yeah. Why? I don't know. Before I met Emmanuel, I was I was like a serious. I was kind of Is a serious. Sorry. Before I met Babelito. <laughs> Damn, bitch, you got me. Oh shit. Um, I don't know. I think I was. I was really self-destructive, and uh, I used to drink a lot. And uh, when I met Emmanuel, I kind of stopped. Or Babelito, I stopped because. I got so busy and I had a friend that I could just like go have coffee with and because he didn't drink at the time. How did you guys meet? We on Grinder. I've never downloaded any of those. Why? I mean, you're single I was now, married, though. So yeah, like, but I've been, I was married happen? for 16 years. So. We just met. We ran into each other. That's how people meet in Las Vegas. Actually, like small town. our friend Nicole, shout out Nicole. Oh, yeah. She m- met Fabi like two years prior. Oh, yes. Okay, so Nicole and I, we've been friends for years. Yeah. And then she's Babelito's best friend. But Babelito and I had never met. And one time we were at a party and Nicole was like, have you met my friend? And I said, no. And she's like... And then she, gonna, you guys are gonna be soulmates. Yeah, I'm she gonna told introduce me you to. She told me that yeah. she's like, she called me. She's like, I just met your soulmate. And I'm what? like, calmate. And then two years later, pass. We went to see this exhibition of the costumes of Liberace, and he was working there. And we just hit it off. Liberace brought us together. Did mm-hmm. you guys ever have a moment where like, y'all wanted to have like that, like physical connection, like you were gonna fuck or something? Um, did you have that sexual well when i when i first (laughs) met this is getting very real here yeah there's a couple of dogs roaming um when i first met babelito i was just so i don't know i never met anybody like him so i was like really going through it i never talked to you about this so this is really embarrassing (laughs) but i was just like oh my god like a smart like latino professor like i'd never seen anybody like him so it took me like Maybe a couple months to get over that, and then we became friends. Okay. Like you know, just yeah, like yeah. normal. What kind of so besides a smart professor, what kind of guy do you look for? Me? Yeah. Well, I mean, if they have a pulse, that's the best. <laughs> um, Stupid. <laughs> I actually used to really lo- only like white people, like white guys, because you know we've been conditioned to do that since you know forever elaborate what do you mean we've been conditioned you know disney movies any tv show Mm -hmm. in the 90s and And a lot of latinos are hella racist yeah so it's like white was right for a long time you said latinos are hella racist a lot of latinos not everybody yeah and the idea of mejorando la raza it's like a common phrase in dinner tables so you feel like latinos don't want to date other latinos no but i feel like culturally speaking the idea of light skin has been, it's embedded in our system that that's something positive. Yeah. And um, and no, I know a lot of, I, I know most of the Latinos, gay Latinos I know, they don't, 
they don't fuck with white dudes. So it's not a thing, but it is, it is like, it's our colonial legacy. Like mm-hmm. white skin is a colonial legacy. It was, a, it was not only a system in the colonial period, but it was institutionalized and it's part of who we are. It's ingrained within us that light skin is better. And um, of course, things change. We don't live in the 1700s anymore, but look at a telenovela. Like, look at it's it's it's. Of course, in Mexico, super much more complicated because it's about class too. So it's not like white skin equals wealth. But I think there's a part of a lot of Latinos where it's like, yeah, mejorar la raza if you marry a white dude and things mm-hmm. like that. You know, I don't know if I was conditioned because I come from a small town that's majority like white people. But I do know that um, I didn't realize this till this year that I had a complex. Like mm. I would, I would, um, I never felt that I was a handsome guy. I always thought I was ugly. It wasn't until I was walking with my friend um, and he was talking to me that a lot of his Latino friends dated white guys, and he said a lot of them also have issues that they don't feel very confident the same way that I felt. Mm. And he goes, "It's because they kept comparing themselves to the white guy." And when I heard that, I was like, Poof. "Yeah!" I was like, "Holy shit!" My entire life up until this point. I have been comparing myself to white people and what the media think is beautiful. And I always, and that's why I felt that I was ugly. And it wasn't until that moment where I, I, I saw myself as a beautiful brown man. And I was like, holy shit. If I actually look at myself without like, without thinking that, or without comparing myself to white guy, that I am a handsome brown guy. Yeah. One would even say gorgeous. Not that I think I'm gorgeous, but some people will say, wow, you're gorgeous. I'm like, you know what? You're right. Like yeah. I take it. Own it. Yeah. 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 I've seen and- your butthole. It's gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna say it here. <laughs> Did you see the reaction when I said that story? Whenever I was on the panel. Yeah, that was. Everyone's like, Ooh. <laughs> yeah. that's funny. Yeah. But also, no shade. Like I dated a white dude for years and years and years and years. Yeah. So, and I mean, I don't think it's it's about choosing race. It's about choosing the right person for you. And I mean, and that can come in different colors, but yeah, but Latinos dating white dudes, it's a, it's a thing. It's like when you only date white dudes, you know what I mean? Like I was only attracted to white dudes and that's an issue. And once I worked past that, then I saw, Oh, that was fucked up of me. When did you see that, that you were only dating white guys? When did that click? You're like, poof. Oh shit. I should probably, Uh, after just like dating these fucking boring ass, like basic, basic ass dudes or like lusting over them for no reason Mm -hmm. and it just took years of that and then finally saying you know what fuck it like this is this is this is really stupid i don't understand why this is a thing and then and then like you yeah and then you think like well well it's your podcast so we're just gonna go there and you talk about porn all the time but dude this is like a safe space i know this is a safe (laughs) space that's why i'm talking about this like you look at porn right you look at TV, you look at porn categories is like the Costa fucking system. It's crazy. So, fucked up. so then I was like, okay, like, how am I? <laughs> I'm trying to find like brown people in porn now, and it's like, and you have to fucking type that, brown that aren't fetish fetishized exactly. And it's it begin. It's like it's it's so hard to do that. Like if you just type gay porn, you're gonna get. Pages and pages and pages of white dicks. But 
if you want to be more specific, you have to type like the race and it's so fucked up. Like it should just be all included in one single page. Do you think part of that might have to do do with like a Mexican or Latino's um, upbringing where uh, like the majority here in I feel like US is like Catholic and maybe it might they might have that shame to where like, oh, I, this isn't a field that I could do because my mom might see it or my family will disown me. Do you think maybe white people feel more liberated to, liberated to be in porn? No, I think that... I think that the system was, in a way, manipulated by white males, and it shows. I mean, I, I don't watch straight porn, but Ooh, I'm assuming it's so the same good. thing. <laughs> no, I yeah. love it. <laughs> Me too. Oh, I can't. I, it wasn't until this year when I started getting into straight porn where I was kind of scared of a vagina. And oh. after, not that like... I know. I'm, I'm gay. Like, I don't, but it was like, oh my God, it's a vagina on my screen. But now I'm like, where's the vagina? Cause I want to see this man fuck this vagina. I'm like, yes, let's watch it. <laughs> I'm getting into it. It gets me off so, like, so fast now. <laughs> but, but it, it is a system that was created by, by white dudes. I mean, what's the guy that plays? Is this an guy? alternative fact or is this like for real? Hugh rules? Hefner. Hugh Hefner. Oh, yeah. yeah like, didn't he, he just die? Yeah, he just, thank he, God. He just died and, but that's that's the system. Like he's the jiggle or whatever, you know, that creates this system that is very classified and stereotyped and 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 it's about types and and that's that's a that's a I wanted to say microaggression, but it's not it's like a macroaggression where we're like, Oh, I'm not racist, but I'm only into white dudes, you know? Like no, like it's showing, you know what I'm saying? And you see it every day. You see it every Why do you point. think there isn't someone like Hugh Hefner, like a brown version of that. Well, thank God there is not. <laughs> Why? I don't mean as because we don't we don't need we don't need somebody like we don't need a Mexicano to be fucking objectifying women or dudes I'm sure there at that is. fucking level. Yeah, and I'm but... sure there are, but we're not allowed that level of greatness. We we're not allowed to get away from with fucked up shit like 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 white like white males. Shout out to Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> You're so stupid. <laughs> uh, yeah. So you had mentioned telenovelas earlier, and then you mentioned Liberace. Is there someone on TV or an artist that help you, like, help with your identity or help you feel confident in being Latino or just in general? Oh, interesting question. You know, anytime there was a Latino on TV, you felt so much pride. And I think even though I don't like him anymore... When George Lopez hit the scene, like when I was in high school or whatever, finally somebody funny that everybody liked cross-culturally, but that was hella Chicano, was like the most popular comedian at the time. And I remember just feeling so proud of that. I think that was really like the first like mm -hmm. big star that I can think of. That wasn't just specifically for like Univision, the, the Latino community. No, it was like across everything. And, but you know, they hang out with enough white people for long enough and they forget who they are. So that's what happened to George Lopez. Yeah, his second, like or playing his, golf too much. Yeah, everything he, after that <laughs> first kind of series that he did, or his, his like the show, it, it, for me, it wasn't that good anymore. Yeah. It was like, it was kind of boring. It, same thing with he, Angela Johnson. She had the same yeah. kind of road that he took. Yeah. I grew up with Mexicans and TV all over my media and my music. So that was never a thing for me, but definitely um, when it came to gay representation, I latched on to Juan Gabriel. I did. Like he was, for him being from, not from Juarez, but like, yeah, him being from Juarez and being so flamboyant 
and doing his thing and my parents going to the concerts and everything gave me a sense of security that I didn't know till he died. In retrospect, I was like, fuck. Like, he was not only one of my favorite performers of all time. Like, he's he shaped who I am as a gay man. And um, Who are yeah. you as a gay man? I am Juan Gabriel. <laughs> <laughs> did no, you ever you watch that interview he did with himself? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> me, caes, me caes bien. Tú también. <laughs> Te ves muy bien. Tú también. Yeah. Um, no, I... You know, because of the shame of being gay too, I, I, I rejected femme for a long time. Actually... Speaking of how are we before we met each other, that's kind of where I was. And uh, Fabi helped me get out of the closet and embrace, for example, going to drag shows. I was uncomfortable going to drag shows before. And now it's like, it gives me so much life. Yesterday we saw a, a drag queen doing the most perfect Veronica Castro. <gasps> we died. Oh, we my died. I remember thinking, God. I want to take her home and just, I just want to hug her all day long. Like, it's just, it just gives me life. That was the best lip sync I've ever seen in my entire natural life. Did it you is. guys um, get her name? No. no. But I mean, it's, she's the best Veronica Castro impersonator in Los Angeles, we'll find her. We could just Google we, it. We gotta find but her. But we were I was just captivated. I was just captivated for the three two or three songs that she did. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't people thought that she oh, the people that we were with <laughs> thought she was actually singing. Yeah, it I was, remember I hear I heard people next to me, is she re, is she singing this song? No, bitch. She was Because it was a live track too. It, it was, was a live she's so smart. It was a yeah. live track. Her makeup was on point. And her mannerisms. Yes! Oh, my <laughs> So good. I was dead. But anyway, oh. let me finish my thought. Sorry. Oh. So because of that, I always put me being gay as second to everything else. So when I came out, a way for me to want to be accepted was to go to school. Like, I'm going to be an academic before being gay. I'm going to be an artist before being gay. I'm going to be those before gay. So now it's not at the forefront but it's definitely part of everything I do. I don't think I don't I don't create those hierarchies within my identity no more. Before I used to do that. Did you now notice it's just all a package? Did you notice your mannerisms change after you came out? Oh no. No. No, al contrario. What like, age were you when you came out? Fifteen? Yeah, like fifteen. Oh wow. I was I was very young. Fourteen, fifteen years old, yeah. It's like a millennial. They come out so young. Except the millennials probably have it easier, but yeah. Yeah, it's all totally. relative. Yeah. Oh, relative, you're right. Yeah. What about you when you come out? I'm not. <gasps> oh, that's right. I heard I was listening to some things you said some of your relatives you haven't come out to. Well, yet. I'm out, but not to some of my relatives. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Why is that? Um, because I'm another business? Because I'm tired of doing it. Like I did it for like a year or two and then I just stopped doing it. I'm like, I think they all know. They're all fucking chismosos. So it's like <laughs> And we we were just talking about this this morning that we need to stop coming out of the closet. I, Other people yeah. need to come out as accepting to us. Yeah. Damn. I, say that again. We need to stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because it's, as, as Fabi was saying earlier, it's like, it's, this is just, it's emotionally draining to go through that process. Because it's not one 
conversation with your family. Es el primo, y luego el vecino, y luego el amigo, and then, and like you were saying, uh, luego lloran, and you have to comfort them, and it's just so much. People should just live their lives, and if somebody needs to come out as homophobic, then let it deal with Deuces. their fucking situation. Adios, correct, yeah. I had MySpace out. You know how MySpace had, like, the gay section? I was like... Boop, I'm Ooh. gay. That was my way coming out. Easy, yes. peasy, lemon yeah. squeezy. Yeah, it was. Most of my cousins knew, and I didn't really care about my aunts or uncles, so it's like, whatever. They would always ask questions. Like, my uncle, he would always be like, so you have a girlfriend? And I was like, no. And he would ask that, like, every year. You have a girlfriend? But he he never had, like, the guts to say, are you gay or do you have a boyfriend? I hate that question. Every time I see one of you know, certain tias. So are you dating anybody? <laughs> you have a girlfriend? I'm like, bitch, does it look like I have a girlfriend? Like, I'm, like, twirling in a fucking... Whatever. Yeah. Oh, so I've had a very accepting larger family. They never confronted me. I just, one day I brought my dude, like to meet everybody in Juarez. So you said you have a very accepting family. Then where was this shame coming from that you said that you had for being gay? It's because, I mean, they never, they have never shamed me for being gay now, but I definitely remember growing up hearing all these jokes about gay this and gay that, y el maricón y la chingada. So there is the stigma still there, but people respect me. Isn't it crazy that some of the biggest artists you see are, are like very flamboyant or gay and people still have issues? Yeah. Because then like Prince was very flamboyant and then you mentioned Juan Gabriel and he's a huge star in Mexico, right? And yet people still have an issue with someone like walking very like, like for lack of a better word, flaming or like looking like a faggot when they're walking down the street. That's so crazy how someone has more liberties when you're, when you're rich and famous, but you don't have that as a common folk. But I think that's because to us, they're icons. To them, they're clowns. Yeah, that's oh. it. Like, they're the clowns entertaining you. It's okay if they're gay. Like, even straight people straight people love drag queens, you know? But they don't want them at Thanksgiving dinner. Mm -hmm. I would love a drag... I would love to have... Oh, my a God. Imagine. Imagine. <laughs> Again, wait. Oh, my God. Stop. Oh my that's God. the gravy, Veronica Castro. Agarrando la pata del She goes into song. Like, yes. just to say oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Have you guys ever dressed up in drag? Uh, actually, I have, but I never told Babarito about it. No, you did. What did I do? I don't remember, but you told me that you did it. But once. it was like very, it was soft drag. Uh, One year I was Justice Sonia Sotomayor for Halloween. Who is that? I don't know who that She's is. She's in the Supreme Supreme Court. Oh, that's La so lame. Latina. Oh, the first okay. Latina. Oh, no. She was making a statement. She's a badass. Yeah, it was the year she got in. I was her okay. for Halloween. Because I had long hair at the so time. So, like, three years ago? Like No, it was, like, four. Eight years ago already. Damn. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. it's been a while. Yeah. I had, like, hair down to my shoulder. So, I didn't have to do anything. I just put a robe on. What inspired you to get long hair? Because uh, I look at you and I don't think, oh, yeah, Fabi would... I don't look at you and think, oh, yeah, he's going to... I don't know. I was in art school, and I let it grow out pretty long. So you're broke? And I was broke, and then people <laughs> kept commenting, like, wow, you have such beautiful hair. And so then I would just let it grow, and then it just looked stupid. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know. Wait, speaking of hair, uh, you came up with some ridiculous shampoo that you had mentioned <gasps> that you were going to buy. Yeah, and I'm like... Me. I need it. Okay, for anyone who's out there and hears this, I'm calling bullshit on this shampoo, but please explain what this shampoo is that you ordered and why you ordered it. So there's this señor in Juarez who knows a cousin that knows a friend or whatever, but he makes this shampoo and puts all these natural ingredients, including cebolla, including onion. And I swear, I swear, I've seen it with my own eyes. 
Like I've seen family members who've been losing their hair for years and they started using this shit and it's fluffy. What does it have? I don't know. He makes it in his house and it's wonderful and I need to get it because maybe it's been a stressful year and I'm losing a lot of hair. Maybe. Are you? Mm-hmm. But you still have like a full head of hair. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very thin. thin. You yeah. hide it well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He wears a lot of hats now. Oh. Mm-hmm. I have entradas y salidas look. Yeah. I don't. That's so much hair, right? Yeah. It's like. Imagine it's a full what, head of hair. Like, imagine imagine what it looked like before, though. <laughs> I just remember like five, five years ago, like even yeah. washing my hair. He didn't have like, a forehead. It was, it was just, <laughs> I was just eyebrows. It was, <laughs> it was just eyebrows and then the hair. Yeah. Damn, look at that. That's like five inches. <laughs> Yeah. So I know you mentioned that you got a divorce. Um, have and we don't have to talk about that. But like after that, have you see have you noticed something different that you're doing? Like, did you start working out more? Do you are you happier? Are you looking at the world different now? No, I have not been able to process a lot of things because I'm so busy, and I'm I'm blessed to be so busy. And um, no, it's just I'm I'm kind of scared about dating because I feel like I feel like dudes are jaded in general. And I'm not. You haven't dated in 16 years. The world's changed a lot. Exactly. Like I, I refuse to download um, apps, and it's been it's been months, and I I can't. So and, uh, when I think about it, I'm like, fuck it. I just, we'll just want to get laid. Go, we'll just have to go back to tempo. Ooh. <sighs> <laughs> You'll be just fine. I don't know. Like I can't. I still. I. You know. Everything I do in my practice is to demystify shit. Like break myths about art and race and this and this and that but the myth of love it's so ingrained in my brain that i that's the last thing i'm holding on to so i i i feel yeah, like yeah. i want to date la manita sudada oh that shit like sweeps me off my my feet is that a is that a, that's a, a saying okay, good job okay. i that's have a, uh i was i was like i don't know how old i was i was really young and i was um i, w- I was been a server for for my, my entire like my whole entire life basically and um, I had this issue where I, I didn't like people to touch me and I would flinch when they would try to touch me. It, it was a thing. It was, it was a problem. Yeah. And I remember one time my coworker, she was my friend, and she goes, you know, there's only two reasons why people act like that when they flinch and they don't like to be touched. is either because they've never been loved and because they've been abused. And in my head, I was like, whoa. I just like I had epiphany. I was like, my mind was blown. I was like, both. And I was, mm. and it wasn't until that moment that I heard someone say it out loud, where I can start healing within. Because I had a big issue with people like t- touching me. It was cr- it was weird and crazy, and I didn't understand what it was and why up until that moment when she spoke it. So for me, I'm the same way. Like I look for love, and sometimes so 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 much and so like hard that sometimes it comes off as desperation. Mm-hmm. But it's just because I've never had it in my life that I I look for it, and it's like one of the most important things in my life is like love and affection. Those are the kind of the one things I look for. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's it's. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Like I know, it's even an institution, right? And it's even part of our oppressive system. But this whole romantic idea about love, mira me lo trago. Yeah. What's your ideal date? Like, if you're gonna date someone, what it what what if someone wants to date Babelito? What should they do? I recently had a perfect date. Shut up! Tell us. Yes, it was. Um, I, we went to the museum. Mm-hmm. We went to um, we went to have amazing fucking Mexican food. We went to a um, Central American film festival and just like hang out at a hotel. It was fucking perfect. That sounds to me. But again. 
I haven't dated. I really never, never really dated before. So maybe that was a shitty date, and I have no idea. But because no, that, sounds that sounds pretty fun. great, yeah. yeah, it was wonderful. You're a pasiva, right? Te voy a dejar con la duda, con la duda dentro. No, I think because I, I only say that because uh, I've been listening to the podcast that you're doing, and he was making fun of you. You get something about being pasiva, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I know you are." <laughs> yeah, te voy a dejar con la duda. <laughs> uh, how's your dating life going? It's uh, it's not and. <laughs> But that's because of me, because I have a lot of hangups, and I need to get over that shit. We were actually just talking about this too, dude. And this weekend was this weekend was way intense. too real and intense. Yeah, the new moon, and uh, <laughs> we. Yes, um, believe. I just need to get over a lot of bullshit, you know that that has been kind of ingrained in my head, and I'm not as romantic as Babelito, so like that shit doesn't. For the longest time, I just really fucked up to say. But I just was like, I just want somebody that will like hold stuff for me <laughs> and just like be quiet. Okay, my my and assistant. Just, like, some, have somebody to eat with me. <laughs> you want a dog? And then. <laughs> <laughs> I hate animals. <laughs> Maybe that's what I do need. No, so, and then that's what I think they're like. Oh, you should just hire an assistant to do that. <laughs> yeah, said, pretty Oh my God. Well, that's all I need is yeah, an assistant. There you go. Oh, yeah. So, working their email, their applications. So that's what I'm doing. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to um, get my income a little higher. And then with ziprecruiter.com <laughs> slash Latinos, I'm going to hire somebody off the internet. <laughs> no, hey, you I'm, did looking it. For, I'm looking for a new job. So, hey, how much are you paying? Oh my God. <laughs> you would be perfect. Wouldn't I? Yes. I'd be like the queeniest assistant ever. Oh my God. Can I do stuff to you? I mean, we can talk about how much you're paying me first. Perfect. <laughs> Hired. Hired. <laughs> That'd be great. So I know we're like already close to like an hour in, but we haven't discussed who you are and what you do. Can we oh. like elaborate a little bit on that? Well, I am a visual artist at most of the time, and I make a lot of work about my identity as a Latino, Latinx, Latino, American. El Venao. El Venao. It's been a hell of a ride recently, as the people say, I'm trying to figure out like my place in the art world and like what I can do and how I can survive just being an artist. This year was I quit like my part time day job. So I went from like full time work to just part time. And now 100 percent of my time is dedicated to making artwork and making this podcast and now Podcasterio Network, of course. So. I'm really excited about this upcoming year because I'm really going to focus on on Latinos who lunch and on my art and split the time evenly to see what happens. Because a lot of the times I feel like I spread myself really thin trying to do so many projects. And now I just have like these two things that are so intertwined within each other that it just makes sense to just like really focus on that. So, yeah, I'm an artist. I really love doing the Latinos who lunch. I see myself as the co-producer of the show and I edit the show myself and I love I love having this brand and having this platform to elevate so many voices and uh, amplify so many voices like we said I mean we were just giving a talk at Wellesley College like the smart some of the smartest people in the world go to school there and they're listening to our bullshit <laughs> and like snapping and i know it was girl. amazing oh, yeah when like when, when like, all girls these started snapping and we're like oh 
it got, what got me was the professors coming up to us after the professors from the school just like coming up to us and hugging us Aww. after our lecture mm-hmm. no words just like thank you and giving us a hug like these girls have never heard this before what's your favorite type of art to make and also your favorite kind of episode to make for latinos who lunch oh uh, my favorite you do multiple things you do piñatas you do sculptures you yeah. do paintings uh, yeah, my favorite kind of art is to do is the art that's the easiest. <laughs> um, uh, I do a lot of installation work. I like that kind of work. Like I cover rooms and paper. So it's like a giant piñata mural, basically, that you're walking through. And those are really grueling to do, like on your body. I mean, Babelito's been there with me doing one for weeks. And um, even though they're so hard <clears throat> to do, I love... I love it when I have the the correct resources and the institution provides that. And so I have like 20 people on the job with me. I love that community that's like surrounded and that like we're all working. And I love that part about my artwork. So the work that's more, um, the work that's more social is my favorite. So like my family fiesta performances that I do where my family and I go to a location and just have make this happen like just make a family barbecue or family birthday party happen in a weird place you know to make a statement about uh institutional inclusion or invisibility um, invisibility or like when uh i make a uh, low rider and i have a workshop with a community that actually helps me make it uh because recent i didn't realize i loved it so much until recently when i was like stuck in my studio Pablito knows he didn't see me for two weeks straight, just like making these paintings that I had to get done. And I got so depressed because I didn't see, I didn't see anybody for two weeks. I was literally 12 hours a day, just like gluing paper to these canvases. And when I did that, I thought I'm never going to do that again. Like that was so, that was really hard work. And I don't want to be an artist that doesn't enjoy what they're doing, you know? So that and that's uh, question number one right question before you two. answer question yeah. number two i know you had mentioned that you have you were really excited to see viva Laran girls and, a, and their podcast oh, yes. has to do with a lot about self-care yeah when you realize that that type of work was very, makes you very depressed what did you do to like for the self-care aspect of that part what helped you get out of that depression and keep you happy what do you do for those moments i had to leave the house i had to I have to leave the house. This is something that I figured out. So I have to get up. I have to take a shower. I have to change into my uniform. And then I have to like set rules. So I'll listen to a podcast. And, you know, a podcast is usually an hour long. And then my reward is to stand up and like go make a snack. <laughs> so can you we know? talk about this uniform really quick? What? Yeah. How did it happen and why? It naturally happened. Like I bought this skeleton t-shirt at one of the first museum shows that i had because it was in walmart land in arkansas at uh in bentonville arkansas there's crystal bridges museum of american art and uh i actually did a family that was the first place i did family fiesta because they had funding to fly my family out there and uh we all took a wal- trip to walmart like i just wanted to take photos of us at like the flagship walmart because it was just so stupid that i was <laughs> at walmart headquarters walmart was paying me to be there my family has always shopped at walmart so i was like let's go and do a photo shoot at walmart and i found this uh i found this skeleton shirt there and 
uh, just started wearing it all the time. It was my favorite shirt because I think it reminded me of that day because it was just so cool. It was the first time I experienced like my family being a part of my art and my yeah, because they show up a lot. They're really supportive. Yeah, me, right? and so the skeleton shirt and the cardigan just happened, and uh, I had a red cardigan all the uh, all these years because I love Mister Rogers, like Mister Rogers' Neighborhood. Is um, that one of your like fetishizing the white guy kind of thing? Yeah, I love him <laughs> so much. Um, so that became that became my uniform. Um, then I just started wearing all black, and then I grew my mustache out to. I usually I used to shave it. But I grew my mustache out, and I consider this and the red cardigan my my uniform. Nice. Yeah. And so, your favorite episode to make for your Latino lunch is the ones where Babalito and I just catch up. Those are my absolute favorite, and because that's like the core of the podcast. That's for me is like the relationship between Babalito and I, and uh, I think our friend our friendship is really important and. Mm-hmm. It kind of, in a way, kind of forces us to really communicate and talk to each other, mm-hmm. um, but in a f- in a fun way, um, because I think most of the time we're in business mode, and I and I get angry really easy. Um, so it's a way for me to really check myself because you're actively like thinking about what you're saying. And then, like, I'll be a bitch to Babalito, and I'm like, "Fuck, that was really fucked up." And then I, you know, really check myself. So it's always interesting to do those episodes. How grateful are you? Are you to have Babalito in your life right now? I mean, like I told you, I don't know. Who knows? Like, this is so crazy. Like, imagine I can't imagine what my life would be right now. Like, it would it would have taken a completely different turn if I haven't met him because he's affected. Not only the podcast, but like the what I'm making, like what kind of art that I'm making, and just like I'm basically just ripping him off. Like any <laughs> any time that I do a lecture, I'm just like using his what he's taught me. Do you guys so, ever take a like time out to say, like, "Hey, we need some material to make. Let's like not see each other for two weeks." So when we come, we have a really good conversation. We it, it just happens naturally happens. because we're, we're so busy. So busy. Yes. We have to force ourselves to see each other. Oh now. wow! Because when we first met, we hung out like every, every day, day, nonstop, and then we wouldn't see each other for like two days and be like, "What the fuck? Are you mad at me?" <laughs> you know? So yeah. So you're like rethinking what I say. So now, like. We're like, dude, like, come on, let's let's really make an effort this week to hang out at least twice. You yeah, know? like next week we're going just to see museums. Yeah, Aww. and so, we made it a point because we could we could book um, recording podcasts and things because we're going to LA. Yeah, but we just said no, we're not gonna we're not gonna do that. We're gonna meet with podcasterio people, but really for like an hour. So out of the whole weekend, one hour of work. Yeah, do you guys have a favorite artist to see when you go to museums? Do we have a favorite artist? In- but not in- uh, I don't have a favorite artist necessarily. I just like, I just like certain museums maybe more than others. Yeah, just like more museums that are more inclusive of, you know, POC work or just like. To be honest, I'm I'm really into contemporary art more. I like to go see contemporary art more than like, you know, pre-colonial shit or whatever, which is really important. And I know, I should see it, but. Um, and I'm the opposite. And he's the opposite. <laughs> so this yeah. is, it's kind of, it's cool because we're kind of force each other to see things that we normally wouldn't look at. Yeah. And it's nice to, to hear our perspectives, you know? Mm-hmm. So what do you do? So I am a recent PhD in um, 
Ibero-American colonial art, which basically means art of the colonies, of the Spanish colonies, and more specifically New Spain, which um, from 1519 to 1821 was from Oregon, like from West Coast of the United States all the way to Chile. But I concentrate on um, I concentrate on New Spain, which is mostly Mexico. So I concentrate on painting, painting from the 18th century. I look at mendicant orders, meaning religious orders that came here to to quote unquote spiritually conquered indigenous people. So there's Dominicans, Franciscans, Jesuits. I concentrate on the Franciscans and the art that they do and how fucked up all of that is. Um, there's a lot of scholars that deal with these topics, but they tend to idolize or give them the benefit of the doubt. And I've been told that I'm too radical by just showing the receipts and, tell, and just basically talking about how fucked up it is. But when you have a group of people that not only participated in the genocide of millions of millions of indigenous people, but also participated in an epistemicide, meaning the destruction of ways of knowledge, when that happens, I don't give them any benefit of the doubt. And it's going to become a problem, and it's already a problem with some of the editors. I just, I, I'm publishing an article, and I know this is going to happen when I publish my book, but I ran out of fucks to give. And, <laughs> and yeah, like, stop romanticizing anything about the colonial period because it's messed up. Whenever you were learning all this information, was it shocking to you that this... It was. It was very shocking from... I was... My my dad has worked all his life to to shield us from a lot of things that he went through. So he specifically said, "We're gonna live in the suburbs, and you you know like I'm gonna do everything I can to protect you." And he did. He did a hell of a job. He was amazing. But I never was exposed to a lot of things, to a lot of things, and also because he worked in El Paso, we live in Juarez, so it was like. A nice middle class life in, in in Mexico, and it's not till later that I'm starting to see things. I went to grad school believing that race was not a problem in Latin America; Ooh. that it was something for <laughs> for the um, for the gringos, right? Mm. And learning how in, that that system was created by the Spanish, basically, it was shocking. So it was four years of learning about psychoanalysis. The fucked me up, learning about the colonial period that fucked me up, the learning about how gender and race and class different works today in the United States, today in Latin America, and then in the colonial period, fucked me up. So it was four years where I was quiet, and I didn't know how much it affected me when it was affecting me. And then after those four years, like I just opened up and started talking and started writing, and then the podcast, and this and that, and like I, I'm still fucking. No, it sounds like it, it was healing for you to speak out because you didn't know how to handle it, right? So it's it's good that you did that. And it's, I mean, I remember going to classes and some of my my classmates outside of the classroom crying, just be oh, like, "Oh, man. this is a horrible, this oh is a horrible." God. Yeah, because art history is fucked up. Art history is it's very privileged, and art history has created a very dangerous narrative about the white genius. So, but mm. precisely because of that we have to demystify that and, and break those myths. So that's my job to stay in art history because it's so fucked up. I feel like I'm very, I'm a very wise person, but I, I lack um, a lot of knowledge and I'm always, and I always love to learn. So what, there, what is there one thing while you're in front of me that you would love for me to like take with me the rest of my life after all the studies that you learn? What is one thing that I should know? That you 
should know or that I should that know. I should know from you from learning and using all this knowledge. It's just I. So today in social media, we tend to gravitate towards two poles, right? Either we create our bubbles and we forget about the world or we think we are outside of that bubble and we think everything is fucking problematic. However, um, while that's important, that's a step and that's something that we didn't have 10 years ago, I think that if you broke that bubble and you see the problems, like, let's push it a little bit harder. And contextualizing things historically, if, if a post from Facebook blows your mind, when you get into it, when you, you just make the extra step to read one article or to read a book, if you think you're mind blown, if you think you're woke right now, like just wait for it. <laughs> and I know we don't have all the privilege to do it. I know we don't have time because we got to work. And as Latinos, we love to work, right? But but I will I will I will say that that if you run into into something in social media that bothers you, like go for it, like really go for it, because you can spend a whole career just getting into that. What about um, something from like the path that has happened, like a genocide or um, like oppression, something that you've learned that I like from our heritage, like what is something that I should know that maybe I don't, that our like school, school systems in the United States don't teach? That natives, the native groups in all of Latin America have never stopped fighting, never. And they, we have this mentality that sometimes they've revolted. We have this mentality that that they're not they're important. Passive. They're passive. Um, all the narratives about all the Hollywood narratives about slaves concentrate on like white men saving them, right? When never stop fighting, and from fifteen nineteen, from fourteen ninety two to. Dakota, Dakota pipeline, it's never stopped. So when we figured out, when we realized that native resistance has been in the foreground of all of our rights as human beings in this continent, I think we can we can learn so much from that. You mentioned you were writing a book. Is that something that was required for school or you were just so passionate that you had to put something on paper? Academia is brutal. Having a degree from a public university means nothing, even if it's a PhD. So I have to work the extra step. And in order to get a tenure track, to get a secure job in a university, you have to publish articles, you have to do your book. So if I want to stay and create this sort of radical dialogue, which shouldn't be radical, it should just be a dialogue in the classroom, I got to take those steps, which means stay teaching and maybe do adjuncting for another couple of years and publish more articles and then work on that book. And what is adjuncting? Adjuncting meaning... Um, you get hired by the university just per semester and you don't get uh, like a guest teacher basically uh, yes so and but once you're tenure track or tenured that means that you pretty much have a life what job. location do you have your eyes on i want to stay here because family is here and latinos who lunch is here um so you would work like a university here yeah uh, right now i am but as, as adjunct but I'm, I'm, I have my eyes in California too, so I'm looking into the school system because I feel like the student body in the Cal State, for example, schools, that's, those are the kids that I want to teach. Yeah. Nice. I hate kids. All kinds of kids. 
And my favorite type of episodes. I have so much respect for you for like, working <laughs> with kids because I'm like, ugh. <laughs> and my favorite types of episodes are like where we we when we break down those those myths, like the Frida episode or the episode about monuments. And there's a lot of things coming up that where we continue to do that. So nice. Mm-hmm. So you guys were both in my city recently. How how was that experience for you guys? I loved it. I love Austin. I mean, and I loved it because of you guys. I think the podcast definitely me reaching out through Latinos Who Lunch was is the first time I really did that in a place that I had an artist residency. Oh, and it was beautiful. So, hello, like all these amazing people that we met that you got to connect with. Yeah. Uh, was so cool because like, I mean, like Mario or Mario, excuse me, Mario. <laughs> Wait, and- he doesn't like Mario? I think his name is Mario. That's how he introduces himself. Oh, okay. So Mario and from the barrio. Be- Be- Mario from the barrio. <laughs> um, uh, you know, Beto and Jason. I mean, all of those, all those people. I just, I was just the first time that I did an artist residency that I was really sad to leave. Oh, like I didn't want to go. Were Damn. you surprised by anything that um, Austin offered? Was I surprised? Hmm. I didn't realize how humid it was. I didn't realize that there were so many Latinos in Austin until you introduced me to them. I was oh like, my God, that makes me so happy. Yes. I had never seen so many Latinos in my life in Austin before. Oh, I thought wonderful. I was like the only one. <laughs> no, I knew there was a lot of white people there because Texas, but... Um, There's a lot of Latinos in Texas. Right, but I but everybody's always asked, were you shocked about the gentrification and the white people? And I'm like, no, that's everywhere, you know? But And I knew that Austin was already like a... A targeted city because of all the cool shit that's there i just um what surprised me about austin how quick that i was able to find a community and, and feel at home people people are so social there and so friendly i i just i had a great time even the white people as you know especially the people at the museum of human achievement they're all so generous and really were there to facilitate anything that i wanted to to do so it was just it was an incredible experience i was a little intimidated being in in la well i'm not intimidated but i don't know if you guys how the only way i can like compare it to is like if you're like one of one or two of the like even a group of white people and you're like the only brown person yeah like whenever i was in la i felt like i was like the only white person but i'm brown just because i've only ever lived them white people so whenever i was in la i was like oh my god i didn't know there was parts of the area where it was specifically just brown Mm -hmm. because i didn't see one white person when i was in um in downtown la beautiful and it was crazy i know I i was talking about it i took a picture in podcasterio i'm like there's not a single white person in here yes that was mind blowing not that they're not welcome that's not the point the point is that this is how much we needed this space. Like, this is how much people need this space. Yeah. So it was, that was a beautiful thing. It, it was, was a very beautiful. beautiful. Thing. Thank you yeah. so much for letting me join, by the way, because I know it was like last minute whenever I had asked if I could be a part of it. No, it's her pleasure. No, yeah. Of course. This is a different side of you. What do you mean? Because you said you were nervous, and I'm glad you told me that in, in Podcasterio Fest, because it was a different attitude that you projected, and your um, media personality is different as well. What do you mean? So having this in front of me, and you're an incredible interviewer, like, this is so refreshing. You are. You're really No, let's talk a little bit more about me, not because I'm a narcissist, (laughs) but only because, like, I don't know what you mean by my media presence and then me being a person. You're yourself, right? And you're unapologetic. And that's that's the person that I met at Podcasterio. And I don't have any problems with that. That's not the point. 
but you also have this side of you that it's very professional, that it's also, um, again, you're an incredible interviewer. And, and I like that. I like that we can be this kind of people, that we can have our personalities online and we can have our professional life, that we can be everything. And I, I love that. I love that. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like um, I, I try to, I feel like I am the same person online that I am in person. Uh-huh. Um, I don't really see the difference, but then again, I'm only seeing it from my eyes, not from the outside. So yeah. maybe I do things. I, think I do know. Uh, we all do it. I think we all do. I think we all put a facade online that. Oh, girl, I don't want, put a facade online, girl. No, I'm not. But I'm I mean, a Cochina in person. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think we True. all put. I, <laughs> <laughs> but. But even even that, maybe that also can be a facade about other aspects of yourself that you don't want to show people. Okay. Like you're showing me something that I haven't seen in your Instagram, for example. Mm-hmm. And we all do it. Like I've met people who are like, oh, we thought you were crazy because of the podcast. And, and you just like to have fun all the time. It's like, no, like I'm a fucking boring person. Like in order to learn all this like bullshit about the colonial period, you think I'm like partying and hooking up. And no, like... And that's the thing, and but that's that's what I show on 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 social media. Yeah, people think that I'm a I, I'm more of a because you know I'm I'm say really stupid shit all the time on the podcast. So like recently, like I went to New York and I hung out with some people, and they thought I was a party animal. And I was just like, can we just go sit somewhere quiet for a little while? Mm-hmm. You know, like <laughs> I'm kind, I'm kind of opposite, but I do like to party too. Like yeah. like last night uh, in L.A. Oh, you were you were so, on it. You <laughs> I was a wreck. Then. But usually I'm like, can we just like? It's really loud in here. Why is this bar so loud? We, we never go out here. <laughs> we Why? never we never never like. I mean, I know work. But, yeah and stuff but if we want to party like it always happens out of town it yeah. never happens here we should go out man here let's go out tonight uh, i'm good no uh, i gotta work <laughs> if you want to go out i will no, take you good. out though because you didn't make it you should see yeah so to come all the way out here okay. to vegas well real quick i just want to say like what you might be seeing is like whenever i'm what you saw on poca state office is when i'm amongst people i like have a different energy because i flourish in those moments mm-hmm. i mean that might be why you see something different when it's just like us just in this intimate moment which is us two mm-hmm. sitting here but yeah, that's just, I don't try to be fake or anything. So no, no Tino shade yeah. at, all, at all. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. But, but I mean, this is, this is a good Yeah, sign. you fake ass bitch. bitch. That's one thing I say. I'm not a fake ass bitch. The first thing I asked when I got one of the emails, like, I, I think it was like Reese. I was like, can I say fucking bitch or should I leave that in Texas? He's like, oh, nah, no, just that be- was me. Okay, was it you? And I was like, he's like, no, just be you. I was like, okay, good. Thank you. So whenever I was talking, I was like, should I, he-? I kind of hesitated about telling my nasty stories about YouTube. I was like, nah, that's me. There might be someone out there who might need to hear it and you never know. And I was like, I'm just going to like speak my truth. And that's why we need a lot more podcasts because you don't think that. For example, your some people may not think that your voice is necessary to hear about your experiences and your unapologetic um, persona and like all these things. And as you said, somebody needs to hear it out there. So where can we find you guys online? Take it away. Uh, you could find me at... Do it Lati- in one take. Do it in one take. Yeah. <laughs> you could find me at latinoswholunch.com. Also, my website, justinfavela.net. You can see my work there. And I'm Favi Fav on all social media platforms. Nice. And I'm Babelito on Instagram. I quit Facebook because it's evil. I quit Facebook too. I deleted it. I waited the 14 days. Do you feel do you feel liberated? I did. Yo, I was bien. like, oh my God. Like, I just feel like this negative weight just leave my body. I was like, yeah. I'm free. I don't miss it at all. Me either. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. I stick to Instagram though, you know, because I gotta post those. Yeah, I'm obsessed with somewhere. Instagram too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys, I just want to say thank you so much. We're gonna end it because I know you said you gotta go. Uh, so thank you so much for joining me, having a chat with of me. Of course, of yeah, course. This you is, guys are awesome. This was this was beautiful. I know, right? This was beautiful. Maybe yes. next time I won't be so nervous and we can like have a more I can't like intimate you're conversation. Nervous with us. It's like weird. you know us already. Well, it's more because I want to live up like because you guys have a really good podcast and there's like for me i just want to ha- there's like an expectation that i should live up to oh, okay and especially after hearing so many great people you've chatted with um and someone's like what if like i'm the one podcast that fucking sucks with you guys you know or oh god i just have a i just have this fear of failing and so that's what also i was talking to pam and she was she was like why she goes she was talking about like what i do. I was like oh yeah i'm a photographer i do the podcasting but she's like oh, but i don't get paid for any of it because i don't make money off it because i'm I have a problem like networking and putting myself out there and finding my own value. And she's like, well, we should work on that. I was like, yeah, I know. 2018, I'm going to try to work on that. Good. So that's also why I have a fear of failing. So that's always why I, you know, that's that's not always a bad thing. You want to do good. I mean, it doesn't paralyze you, you know, but you're still doing what you want to do, Mm -hmm. which is awesome. And that makes you have better ethics and be a more responsible podcaster, which we need more of those. Yeah. So if you guys were going to make your own podcast before we go, what kind of podcast would you make solo? Shit. Oh, see you're good. Okay, I have <laughs> I have a few ideas. Okay. So, um I love pop culture. I love TV shows. So, I would do like Cabronas and Chigonas, but like Favi Fav where they talk about movies or certain episodes of things like you guys do the rundown you know i was just about to ask you would y'all want to be on it one time yes okay so like an after like you guys do the rupaul's after show so i would love to go back and like go get all the episodes of roseanne and go episode by episode and talk about each one with different guests why roseanne uh that was one of my just that's one of my examples like that was one of my favorite shows but you know or do like key episodes of certain tv shows mm-hmm. i would love to be able to talk about that what are you watching these days oh my gosh well like right now we've been so busy that I, I, when i do watch something it's like on youtube really quick and it's mostly just like drag queens well, what series um do you enjoy then on tv let's see the last thing that i've watched is insecure um i watched the second that season so good. Of it. did you go take a picture at dunes no i didn't go. <laughs> i saw mike that was there i was so pissed um but uh when actually when i was in austin i would watch an episode before i went to bed so that was like the last that was the last thing that i like really binge watched oh and leah remini's scientology and the aftermath i have not seen that yet okay so because of the insecure thing i just started you know i go on the podcast app and i google and i and i search the tv show Mm -hmm. because there's all these after shows and i found this one called insecurity like t you know Mm -hmm. like what's the t and um (laughs) That's what really inspired me. I was like, oh, this is such a good show because they go episode by episode, right? And uh, Or another podcast that I would do is like an art, specific art podcast, like in the studio. So like me going around to different artist studios and having a chat like artist to artist just to like, you know, a lot of these art podcasts that are out there, shade, but shade, uh, they're <laughs> so fucking boring and I want to, I want to, you know, we as Latinos Who Lunch try to make art accessible and art history accessible. And I'm sorry, but these fucking podcasts are f- just made for the art world and made for artists. I want to make an art podcast for me and for people that maybe don't understand art and just like bullshit with an artist in their studio. Like, and just like really get to the core 
of why they're doing what they're doing and not just like using fluffy art words for no yeah, fucking that's reason. what i like to do with people that i interview is get to the core of um who they are and why they do it yeah you know? exactly so you mentioned drag queen so you know now that you mentioned it, i can't leave without asking you about valentina valentina <laughs> yes <laughs> Uh, wait, what podcast yeah, yeah, would you yeah, do yeah. if you had one by yourself? Oh, I I will do. Something. I was gonna get to it after. Oh, I'm sorry. I just you're killing the flow, I'm dude. I'm sorry. <laughs> edit this shit out, girl. I don't. No, I'm keep. I keep everything in it. Okay, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. I might edit like an uh. If you say too many uhs, then I'll. Well, take then it out. let's oh. do Valentina because that's yeah, yeah. That's, go for it. Um, sorry. I'm starting to just not care no more about her. Okay. I think I'm over it. I at first I was like yes, like doing like Rocio Durcal like yes please like that's what I want to see in my Chicana um my Chicana um drag queens and just with elegance and Maria Felix and I'm like so refreshing that we don't have a fucking Mexican queen dressing like Frida Kahlo and you know like just do the same old shit but then it's just she's created this aura about herself that no me la trago. And maybe later I come back to her. Maybe she'll do something that impresses me. And also she's great in a lot of things, but she's also lacking in a lot of things that I look for in a, in a drag queen. What do you look for? I look for a good entertainer. And I look for somebody to like to... What keeps you captivated from looking away and checking your phone? Oh. Like, let's talk about the Veronica Castro impersonator. Yeah, like, that's why, the perfect example. Why was she example? so captivating to you? Because I, wa I wasn't... Like, everything. <laughs> the tiny He's little... the words. <laughs> the, the, mo the most amazing, tiny little details. Like, the every... The way that she moved her hand. Like, even the ticks of, of Veronica Castro. Uh -huh, like so, both of you guys both said, yes, in your, in your story. What was she doing that made you scream Those out, yes? Those ticks. What the, tick was look, it? Look, the way that her mouth, like, that she was showing her teeth when uh -huh. she was singing... Whoa, like you knew <laughs> that she watched Veronica Castro videos for hours, hours. Uh -huh. to know how to make her teeth look like her mouth, her teeth look like Veronica Castro's teeth, right? And those were her real teeth. Like I was looking. Did you guys have an emotional moment? Were you all crying at that point? Was it something so emotional for you? Are it you like a really big I fan? was filled with nostalgia when oh, okay. I saw her. Yes. When when I, and then so she had her See, mouth. That's a good interesting. Her mouth that's a good drag queen. Her mouth was was the the way that she was forming the words was perfect and then and then she did the little head ticks that Veronica Castro did and <laughs> that's what but, killed me like you can hear it screaming and Anytime she wasn't she doing anything her head. Yeah, yeah just because she did this yeah i saw that i was like what did i miss like, and the, yes! <laughs> the tick was synchronized the tick oh. was synchronized with the eye and the mouth yeah cuz veronica <laughs> veronica would do this first name basis she would do this like <laughs> she would open her eyes a little wide and then do a little tick. yes yes and Damn. <laughs> oh, so yeah, I need to be captivated. I need to, I want you to allow me to forget that there's nobody else in the room, but just you and I. And that's how that bitch made me feel. Valentina, I haven't seen her live, but from watching from her videos, like I was trying and I'm like, I thought she was going to be this incredible. I don't, I, she's not. Yeah, because she's done she's some pretty gorgeous. She's done she's some not. really amazing songs. Like one thing that I get captivated in a show is like a song choice. And so if you first you get me with the song and then the lip sync will keep me in. Mm -hmm. Um, so she has done a lot of she's done a few Selena songs and like I was at a Barbarella's uh, Tuesdays one night and it was a Selena night and it was like dedicated to Selena. And I kid you not, like I never saw her, never went to one of the concerts, but 
the the room was packed and they had her on the TVs and it was her like last concert. So she she does like this must and this little motion yeah, yeah, on yeah. the on the screen. I kid you not. When I looked up there, I felt like I was at that last concert and I and I almost started to cry. Oh, that's, and so see, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, and and it was just there was something about some just energy in the air that like I like with Valentina. Like she would you would think that with her doing. A Selena song that I would be captivated, but she lost it. Like not even with a good song, cause she keep me like my eyes on her. I couldn't. And and Fabi always says this: we need to stop rewarding mediocrity. And there's there's a lot of things that I'm not gonna reward Valentina no more just because she's fucking gorgeous. Yeah. Same. So I think I'm done. What about you? Yo me quedo callado. Okay. Okay. You no, dude, no comment. Lo, los the fans of Valentina. Look, I will say this, okay? I've been thinking about this a lot because I think about drag queens a lot. And my roommate is super into wrestling. And he got me into it. So I've been watching wrestling with him. Nip that there. way? Okay, be quiet. Wait, before <laughs> before he judges you, Just I'm really saying this quick. is safe space because I went to a convention and I um, they do this um, cosplay wrestling. Before he judges and, you. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was like... Oh my God, I fell in love with wrestling when I was there because you have to believe that it's like you have to believe in the fantasy. And then when you do that, you let it go. It's drag. Yeah. So there's wrestlers that are better than others because they're so into the character, right? And, um, but then I thought about wrestling versus drag or, or compared to drag. And there's villains in wrestling and they're, people love them. They're on, on Team Rudo, right? They're like, they love the villains. And and then I thought that in the context of RuPaul's Drag Race, that also exists on RuPaul's Drag Race. And the queens that are the most successful are the ones that embrace the villain persona. So if you think of people like Bianca Del Rio, like Ginger Minj, Ginger. like Alaska, they have t- taken the villain and they've they've won. Like they are that character and people love them for that. Mm. So the people that I have problems with are people like Tyra Sanchez, like Valentina, the like victims, F- like Fifi O'Hara, that don't realize the power they have, that they can turn this villain character into gold, and have people wrapped around their, their um, uh, wrapped around their persona, and and really win them over. I think Valentina's realizing it. I think she's realized it that she's a villain. And that she has the power and that, she, you know, she's already fucking beautiful. But imagine if she actually played with that villain character. Like, oh my gosh, like talk talk about telenovela, right? Yeah, I think one of the smartest smartest queens to come out of RuPaul's Drag Race in terms of villain is Alaska. Like, she, Oh my God. Yeah. Right? And, and I know yeah. Valentina is, all, all, is team Alaska. So hopefully Alaska is teaching her a thing or hopefully. two. Or... Uh, I shouldn't say that because that's kind of kind of signed to Valentina, but hopefully, you know, she, she, uh, I don't know, she just takes cues from like Bianca and Alaska. And even Sharon Needles was playing the victim. No, not the victim. Sorry. That was a Freudian slip. The, uh, the villain for a while, but now mm-hmm. she's kind of like yeah. weird drug. So I know this might be a hard question, um, but who is one of your favorite queens to come out of RuPaul's Drag Race? Alisa Edwards. Yeah. Yes. Why? That's a Texas queen girl. It's Alisa Edwards all the way. She can she can just like cough and I will die. <laughs> you like laugh? <laughs> like oh my gosh, she just coughed. We saw her in drug. I couldn't get it close. I'm like, nope, it's too much. It's too much. She really why? Because I I don't know. Were you gonna get emotional? You were scared to get emotional. I just think she's so amazing, and a lot of people don't get it. And it was Fabi who's like, 
watch the opening of um, when he, she's warming the crowd for one of the crowning, um, one of the last episodes, um, the live episodes of, of RuPaul's Drag Race. The finale. The finale, yeah. Oh. Are you guys going to go and to the that, finale? No. No? No. no. Oh, okay. No, but... um, we had fans like that. Yeah. No, okay. <laughs> but at that moment, I was like, that's it. And then I, I fell into the rabbit hole and watched hours and hours and hours of videos of her and her dance academy and, like, everything. And, like, the transition between makeup and with no makeup, it's almost blurred for me. And it's she's just this amazing person. So you've never seen her live? Perform? No. You need to do it because you're going to regret it if she dies. Me voy yeah. a surrar. So do it. Truly. I'm going to die. Yeah. What about you? My favorite. I have three favorites. Oh, okay. So Jujubee. I uh, love Jujubee. She, I, what you felt for the Veronica um, drag queen. That's her name, right? The, yes. The, that's how I feel. That's the <gasps> most. That's the feeling that Jujubee gives me every time she goes on stage. When have she you seen things. her live? No. Oh, bitch. I haven't seen her either. Let me tell you. So one of the first times I went to Boston, because that's where she's from, I went to... I just tweeted her and I said, Jujube, I'm in Boston this weekend. Are you performing anywhere? And she said, yeah, I'm performing at Harvard. It's actually a private party, but I think just come. So Ooh. I found her and I went to this party and even her performing to all these like, fr it was like a frat dude thing that they just like decided to have a drag queen that night just to be funny. She captivated everybody. And it was Jujube is not only an amazing lip syncer, but the, her eyes, mm -hmm. like she makes eye contact with every single person in the room until everybody is paying attention to her. And oh my God, that was so powerful. Did you notice that while you were in your panel that that's something you have to learn a certain confidence you have to have to do that? Yeah. And there's a lot of respect to people who can master that skill to like make sure to connect with someone with their eyes on the stage. Yeah. She's fucking amazing. I wow. can't wait to see her live. Incredible. Jujube, Katya. These are all Boston queens. Yeah, Katya's also one Katya, of my I love her. And um, my third would be Alaska. Yeah. I mean, anytime I've seen Alaska perform, it, it's been incredible. It's been hilarious. And then I've gotten the opportunity to meet her a few times. And even though I know she's a, being a character and says really stupid shit when you meet her, she's still really generous and like like touches you and takes a photo with you and is nice even though you can tell she's like over it you know yeah. because she's so famous but she's been really she's she's great i i respect i like that in professionals because there, there are certain people that like don't appreciate their fans and i and if you don't appreciate your fans then you're gonna become nothing eventually mm -hmm. so and so what would you do as a podcast i didn't forget i will do i will do those episodes of latinos whole lunch every single week it's a lot of work. It's a what lot kind of work. Of episodes? The, we talk about. No, it. I said your own your own podcast by yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will do that episode where we take where we take something from pop culture and connect it into a historical moment. Okay, Ooh. that's it. And and even if it's just from Mexico, because I give us a little sample of how they would go connect something from pop culture now into. I will talk like this is one episode that we want to do, but just talk about soap operas and how rooted they are in the colonial period. Like, really get into it. It's like, this is how it works in paper and the Inquisition, and this is how it works in Rosa Salvaje. And, um, and, I, and like that, there's just so many examples because 
I've I've been trained to make those connections because people are like, oh, why are you so obsessed with history or whatever? Because everything is connected to what's happening right now. And especially the 80s. 80s Mexican pop culture is a mirror to all of Mexican history. So I could spend a hundred <laughs> episodes just talking about yeah. que Lucerito, que Daniela Romo, or a song. I could I could spend an hour deconstructing La Secretaria, which is my favorite song by Daniela Romo. Like by the lyrics, the class system, the gender issues in that song, and the gay rights, um, Miguel Bosé, and she's a lesbian. Like, oof, I can go for hours. But all of that connected into like a very precise historical context. That will be it. But that's every episode will be a lot of fucking work, a lot of work. And that's, I mean, we try to do it and Latinos will launch and and we've done it and successfully. But I would just do that all the all the time. But I mean, it can, it can be boring, too. So you make it sound exciting. I was like, when does it come out? I want to see both of these <laughs> I podcasts. I don't think it's the fact that it's boring is that it takes a lot of work. It is a lot of work. It's yeah. a lot of research. Like it's when we do those episodes, we actually like. I actually have to read, which is, <laughs> oof. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, I'll go ahead and let you go. Thank you so much again for joining me. Um, and I'll catch y'all later. Bye. Bye. Wait, 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 wait. Before you go, can you do a little Babelito and Fabi intro? Oh, sure. Yeah, what let's do, you mean? do it. Do your intro. I love listening to it. Oh, okay. Go for it. Hi, this is Fabi Fab. And this is Babelito. And we are Latinos, Latinos Who Lunch. The podcast where we talk about important things like... Oh, fuck. Sorry. <laughs> oh. oh, my God. I was going to try to say one of your sayings, but I forgot what you said. Like, shit on your dick.